Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer, Brendan S. Scott with you. It is uh, 1234 at Edmonton. We will tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. They are open every Oilers playoff game night as well as Tuesday through Sunday. Let me look. So in other words, they're open Mondays when the Oilers play, and then Tuesdays through Sunday from 5 until um, close every night. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Altaf that Oilers now sent you. All right. Um, talk about a reversal of fortune in the course of this series. Uh, we're going to bring aboard our next guest. Uh, he got ratioed to death on a tweet after the first period of Game 4. Kings, of course, had won Game 1 in overtime, Game 3 in overtime, a couple close games. Uh, Kings had uh, 15 power plays through the first two games, Edmonton had 8. Ironically, since then, the Oilers have stayed out of the box. They came back from 4-1 down. We welcome for... Uh, our friends at GenStar find your peaceful oasis tucked away in northeast Edmonton with Crystalline and Nira, a GenStar community. We welcome back Mark Spector. Hello, Spec. How are you doing? Oh, pretty fair. Bobby, how are you doing? Good. I'm going to read your tweet because you obviously fired up the Oilers, even though you know damn well they didn't see the tweet. Uh, Oilers, yep. this was after the first period. Oilers just not good enough here. They've got the second-best goalie, the second-best skill guys, the second-best decors. The Kings are better head-to-toe while Edmonton headed for a participation ribbon in these playoffs. Uh, I believe in the context of the Twitterverse, that's a tweet that didn't necessarily age well. Now, that happens That happens during the course of a game when you tweet on the fly in real time. The only thing that I'd really take issue with is when you said that you they got the second-best skill guys given that we're watching a player in Leon Dreisaitl who has the second most points per game in NHL history in the playoffs uh, for any player that's played north of 40 games. Yeah, Edmonton was getting outplayed. What the hell's happened here since then, Mark? That's a good question, you know, and you make the point when you tweet in real time. I, I tweet the same thing again at 3 nothing, about to go down 3-2 in the series. Uh, they no, were 3-1. No, 3-1. 3-1, uh, sorry, 3-1 in the series. I mean, it wasn't close at that moment, and, you know, yeah, does that tweet look good today? No, it looks bad. I don't you know what? I didn't tweet it today. I tweeted it at the first intermission. <laughs> so, anyhow, what has happened? Uh, you know what? I think that if I was thinking, and a lot of Oilers fans were thinking that, so too were the Oilers in their dressing room. Okay, boys, this thing's got to turn, and it's got to turn now, 
right? It's got to turn now. We saw a few guys who hadn't been real participants in this series uh, grab themselves up by the bootstraps here after 20 minutes and become just that. The, you know, all of a sudden, uh, Vander Kane has scored huge goals in back-to-back game all, games. All of a sudden, Zach Hyman has scored huge goals in back-to-back games. All of a sudden, Connor McDavid's got a bunch of even strength points that he didn't have to that point. And uh, the Oilers' goaltending's improved. It hadn't been very good to that point. Uh, I think they've outscored the Kings 11-4 since that moment, Bob. Is that correct? Yeah, and here's what I'd say, Mark. I don't think for a second this series is over. Like, like you know, game six goes in L.A. whenever, what time it goes on Saturday. Kings could win that game, and people say, oh, now Kings have momentum, and the Oilers could come back and win game seven. I think we're in a different NHL where teams can come back. We saw that with the Leafs in Tampa. You know, oh, pe- yeah. people would sit there and, like, I looked at Toronto and Tampa. We had this discussion yesterday, Mark. Tampa came in 13th. The Leafs were fourth. Tampa had the 18th best record in the league in the second half with Andre Vasilevsky. They're not as good as they once were, which is why it took Toronto in five. I'm not actually surprised that Toronto's up 3-1 in that series. I just didn't expect the Leafs to get blown out in game one. But the one thing we are seeing is teams can rally today. It's not the 3-2. You know, Daryl Sutter, it's 3-2 league. It's not a 3-2 league anymore, Mark. Well, I recall very vividly covering the 2004 Stanley Cup final with Tampa and Calgary in which the team that scored first won all seven games. Uh, that's awful hockey, right? If you're telling me I don't get a lead change in a whole Stanley Cup final series, like, yeah, who wants that kind of hockey? So it's way better now. We're seeing teams across the league coming back. We're seeing one night it took, takes Evan and 40 minutes to come back from down 3 nothing. Uh, the next night it takes Toronto, I think it was 12 minutes to come back from down 4-1. to one. So that, who doesn't want that? Like, it sucks when it happens to your team, but I like a game that's wide open enough and enough offensive opportunity that teams can do it. So could L.A. win on Saturday night and bring this thing back for seven? Absolutely they could win. You know, does momentum last for three days, Bob? I guess I'd ask you that. I'm not sure it does, but maybe we should talk about the sort of the things that used that were working for the Kings when they were up 2-1 in this series uh, and if those things are still working now. Well, you take a look at it, Mark, and there were three ticky-tack calls in the first three games of the series. L.A. got all three of those for power plays, and Corpus Allo was stopping the puck. He had a nine... Uh, you know, 930 save percentage mark in the first three games of the series, and the orders have got to him for five in game uh, four and chased him in game five. Jody Shelley was on with Reed Wilkins last night and talked about the fact that at times Corpus Allo fatigues. And I, I, you know, he's going to get a, 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 a re, you know, a restart here for Game Six. But the orders have also beat him up high on a bunch of shots. So um, I, I think Edmonton's, I think Edmonton's elevated. I think they've played more consistently throughout the lineup. They've stayed out of any of the post whistle BS. Um, they've stayed out a lot the last, really the last, I guess, game and a half. Yeah, and it's coincided yeah. with them, right? Like. The Oilers don't need that. That's the kind of thing that the challenging team does. The team that doesn't, that, that maybe doesn't have quite as much firepower, that's a strategy that that team uses, right? The team, that, the Oilers, that's the last thing they need is to get make this into a bunch of scrums and all that. What, what good is that going to do them? That's not well, going to do them any good. Edmonton's got the bigger, more physical team that can play, you know, between the whistles. Yeah. I mean, LA's got some guys, Arvidsson, Dives, 
and Fiala really dives. Like, I mean, he's been caught. Guys have sent me video of him in two games already. And, I mean, he's flat out flopping like an NBA player. Like, you know, and that's – and you know what? Uh, they – Arvidsson got one call so far on that. But L.A., it's interesting to me, Mark. Like, here's the thing that I said in the first half. I don't know if you heard. So we're sitting here. The orders are up 3-2. They just put up six on the Kings. And I think it's fair to say Connor hasn't dominated a game yet. If I was LA, that'd be the one thing I'd be worried about. Is, well, how about the 104 point uh, player in Nugent Hopkins who hasn't scored a goal yet? <laughs> you know, I, I think the biggest difference in the last, you know, two games of this series is the emergence. I mean, Drysaddle's been there the whole time. McDavid's now he's scoring at even strength and creating at even strength. All of a sudden, Kane shows up. All of a sudden, Hyman shows up. That's too much already for I think for LA. That's the the firepower is coming from too many places, and we haven't seen Nugent Hopkins get overly involved. Certainly at even strength. Uh, you know, and, and I mean, Bukestad comes out of nowhere. He gets you too. You know, the Oilers had five different scores last night. So if, if you're going to tell me the Kings have to get to six to win a hockey game, they're not getting to six very often, Bob. Well, LA's got two guys for me that are dangerous offensively Kempe. And yeah. Arvidsson. Like, I know Fiala can be, uh, and he was... Oh, he can be. He was he dangerous in Game 3, but when they flipped and moved Aya follow-up and moved Byfield down, I thought that made that line less effective, frankly. Um, and that's because yeah. Kopitar, Kopitar, Kempe were getting drilled by McDavid and Drysaddle until they moved Aya follow-up because they needed a guy to go get the puck. And, I, I you know, I, I like Byfield. I think he's going to be good. So we both agree the series isn't over. Uh, but the Oilers have scored 11 goals in the last two games. Yes. So and they're scoring. They're scoring a lot of them from the same place. Have you noticed that, Bob? Yeah. Everything's coming from that left circle as you as you look at Corpus Allo, and they're going above his glove side, uh, except for the one that McDavid put over the blocker side. But there's a bunch of goals coming down that left side that are going in on Corpus Allo. They're all going in high. We all know how good he is low. Uh, that there's a trend there, boy. And I don't. If I'm if I'm LA, I don't like that trend because uh, it tells me the orders to figure something out on this guy. Uh, last night, I don't know if Brendan can pull it. Um, Jay Woodcroft, Daniel Nugent Bowman tried to get Jay to give himself a pat on the back, uh, and Jay refused to, and talked about the players, and talked about the players, and talked about the players. Yeah. And, right. And this is today's coach. Today's coach empowers the players. That's who they empower. You know what I mean? And they talk about the players. It's a pretty interesting. I mean, he, he made a. By the way, which which way would you have gone, Mark? Between would you have come back with Campbell or would you have gone with Skinner? Um, I was so torn on it. You know, I, I this was what I said in the morning. I said I would have been happy to go back with Campbell because I think he earned it, and I still am trying to build Campbell up a little bit. But I also said, to forget I was talking to maybe Rashog or somebody. I also said that tra- hockey tradition states that Skinner plays. Your starter has a bad night. He comes out. You always put him back in. Uh, and absolutely no surprise. And I'll say this. Absolutely the right call. He played, you know, Skinner gave him what they needed to win. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, this this may, hey, would it, would it be better if Edmonton was down 3-2? We'd have more contentious radio right now. By the way, just, just, just I want to circle back to Dreisaitl. It's incredible what we're watching, isn't it? In the playoffs. Yeah, 
It is, and and you know he's showing that uh, that. The Kings are doing such a good job on McDavid. I mean, it's so hard to be a Connor McDavid. You get Deneau and you get Doughty every shift, and the only guy they're looking at is you the whole time. So Connor's been productive uh, against you know what he's facing, which is a mountain. But the thing that really hurts the Kings is the next guy's Drysaddle, and they can't give him the same amount of attention, and he's crushing them right. You know, in those coaches' meetings, they got to be wondering if they should be giving that attention to Drysital, and then you know what's going to happen if you do. So this is this is the model of the Oilers that makes them so wicked to play against. You can rally the troops and shut McDavid down, and the Oilers can still score four. Uh, not many teams can say that when their best player gets shut down. Can they get past three? The Oilers can. Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's interesting. Now, what are your thoughts on the orders loading up McDavid, Drysettle, and Kane uh, and deploying Bukestead in between Nugent Hopkins and Hyman? Well, it's a, I mean, absolutely. The series turns when when Woody puts, that, puts those two together, first of all, on the top line. And I think it's, you know, basically what you've done here is you've pulled Yamamoto out of your top six and moved Bukestad up. Yeah. And I think that's brilliant. You know, Jim Matheson said it uh, sometime during game, uh, the last game in L.A., game four. He said, I don't know what Yamamoto's doing up there. He's getting nothing done. They should put Bukestad up there. And Woody was thinking the same thing. Uh, this Bukestad's been a real find, hasn't he, Bob? He's a, I don't know how much you watched him in Chicago and Arizona, or I should say Florida and Arizona, but those are two teams that I'm not saying they're my go-to teams on an off night for the Oilers. I've watched him play. But I didn't realize what a good player he was till I watched him play here. Well, our next guest, Brian Lawton, talked to me privately about Nick Bukestad at least three times from the middle of November until the trade deadline. Okay? Okay. Like, like just said, Bob, this guy would be... So we got Brian coming up, and I know that uh, communication was extended in terms of making Nick Bukestad feel a part of things. That's important for him. Of course, he got bounced out of the playoffs last year with Minnesota. Now, you know how some people... like I, I don't even think there was 100% consensus from the Oilers on this. I think there would be some people concerned that he didn't play last year for Minnesota in the playoffs. Um but each team, like, sometimes there's just fits, Mark, with some teams that work yep. better for players than others. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this is, you know, he's got a real bite out of this team. Like, he's got responsibility here. They're using him on the PK, you know, and they're giving him tough, like, important draws to take. And, you know, that's what a, my experience is. That's what a player wants. A player wants to be in a position where the team is leaning on him and needing him and wanting him and giving him important roles. And, and now you say, okay, we're going to try something different. Want to play second line center? And he comes up and puts together a hell of a game. So this is a, you know, remember that year in 06, they brought in all these guys and boy, Kevin Lowe hit on almost every, every one of them from Spotchik to Pekka to Samsonov to, you know, obviously Pronger, but this is one of those under-the-radar pickups, Bukestad, that if this team goes on a roll here, you're going to look back and go, man, I can't believe we got him for that price. <laughs> uh, Tyler has texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line since you brought up Yamamoto. Bob, what are the chances of seeing uh, Dylan Holloway in Game 6? Kyler Yamamoto has been largely ineffective in the lineup and might be able to make use, the Oilers, of Holloway's speed and size uh, in the bottom six. Uh, Spec, what do you think? I mean, is that too rash of a move at this stage, given that you're up 3-2 and have won back-to-back games? Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm putting Holloway in in this situation, but I'd like to get Holloway into the lineup. 
I think that his speed and size is going to make you better. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I guess my question becomes: If he goes in, who comes out? It's is it Costa? Well, Tyler, is it Yamamoto. Ty- Tyler's saying it's got to be Yamamoto. He says he's been the yeah. least effective forward. The orders. I don't mind that. Listen, he has been ineffective. He's been ineffective, and he's not only is he not scoring and producing offensively, uh, I haven't liked his work defensively either. So yeah. You know, absolutely. Somehow, like, Kyler Yamamoto's always been this guy that's lived in the top six because there's no one to replace him. You know, Pogliarvi couldn't knock him out of a job, and there's really not been a right winger to take him out of that top six. Now, I know Holloway's not a right winger, but we'll figure that out later. Um, I think, you know, the the statute of limitations on, on Kyler Yamamoto holding the job in this lineup uh, when he's letting guys go to the net like he's been in this series. I, I think that statute of limitations come to a close pretty fast, Bobby. What do you think? Fair comment. He's got to play better. He's minus 12 and 27 playoff games. And the 27 playoff games he's played have won. The Oilers have started to take a step forward as an organization. Mark, uh, two guys. Boy, the coach sure trusts Derek Ryan in his minutes, doesn't he? Yeah, because he's such a smart player, right? He's yeah. just, you know, absolutely. And, and Brett, <laughs> I, the addition of Ekholm, so you got Nurse and Ekholm, but Brett Kulak has had a real good series. Yeah, isn't that nice to see, right? Isn't that, like, who doesn't like Brett Kulak? He's from here. Uh, he just goes about his job so quietly in the regular season. He's not a guy that's on the score sheet much. You don't notice him a ton. But uh, all of a sudden when Ekholm comes and everybody gets in their right minutes and their right spot, we're seeing Kulak. Uh, the crowd gave him a cheer last night when he uh, he took that rush in. I don't know if there's a change or what, but he dumped the puck and chased it. He was the only order in the zone, and he kept it in there for a while. The crowd was gave him a nice ovation because they appreciate what he's doing. You know, no flash, a little bit more dash lately. He's carrying the puck really well. It's just how do you win a Stanley Cup, Bob? The Brett Kulaks, the Nick Bugstads, the pass from uh, McLeod made such a nice pass to Kulak last night. All of those guys who who don't jump off the tip of your tongue when you talk about the Edmonton Oilers, they all start playing really well. Kulak's, you know, Kulak's filling his role in that for sure. Yeah, good bounce back performance from Dayarnay, and I think the fans helped yeah. pick them up. They they noticed the little things and cheered for him when he got pucks up the ice and won puck battles, right. and that was good as well. Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot. Are we going to have a Game 7 in Edmonton? Uh, no, I'll take the orders to, to eke something out on Saturday. I could see it going into overtime. I could see it, you know, when you get a team playing for their lives, you get yeah. a, a different team, right? It's just, and, and you can't it's hard for the Oilers to replicate that. So there's going to be a few windows of momentum that Edmonton's going to have to survive. Uh, Stuart Skinner's going to have to be better than he's been, Bob. Yes. We're gonna, if the Oilers are going to win on Saturday night, we'll be talking about Stu Skinner on Sunday morning. Uh, if we're not, they're probably coming back for seven. Well, if they don't win, we're, we still might be talking about Stuart Skinner on Sunday morning. So look at that. I mean, that's that's that, goaltending. And, and, hey, Spec, we went a full 16-minute segment, and we never brought up officiating. This is a good day. All right. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Spec. Thanks for your time. All right, Bobby, take care. That is Mark Spector, Sportsnet Spec, joining us for GenStar. Find your peaceful oasis tucked away in northeast Edmonton with Kristalina Nira, a GenStar community. We'll come back with the orders now. Injury report, working a couple of your texts on the Ashley Five Floors text line. It's 1253 in Edmonton. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's 12.56 Abbott and Bob Stauffer and Brendan Escott with you. Brendan, I'm going to put you on the spot right here right now. Would you look at Holloway? Instead of Yamamoto. I mean, Yamamoto kills penalties. Holloway's a left shot. Yamamoto's a right winger. I mean, you just won. You just scored 11 goals in the last six periods of the series. I think he gets another shot here. I, I too, would like to see Holloway integrated in a lineup at some point. What would you do? The way he forechecked, the way he got after it with his skating and his big frame and in this the action that we saw in the regular season, I think it'd be a real asset here in the playoffs. And you know, the the penalty killing aspect of Yamamoto's game, I think, has been minimized because more often here in the playoffs, we're seeing the top end guys out there for penalty killing minutes. So yeah. you know, I, I just think whatever role he was car had carved out for himself, he's not necessarily that plucky guy on the forecheck that he once was, Yamamoto. I'm saying so I don't mind the idea of getting a much bigger frame in there at least getting him a look here in these games so one way you could do it is you could put Fogel over on right wing with McLeod Fogel and McLeod have their buddies they've got something going and you could play Holloway at left wing that was the line that jump started the orders comeback in New York City on that road trip in uh, in November the US Thanksgiving weekend and then you have Costin and Ryan together potentially rotating through. This is in the short term when Yanmark is out of lineup as we look at the Oilers injury report. For James H. Brown injury lawyers, I know this about Trent Brown, he would be stoked that the Oilers got the win last night because James H. Brown are huge supporters of the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Elks, and the University of Alberta Golden Bears. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Yanmark uh, was upstairs last night. Uh, he's going to if Edmonton advances, I'm going to tell you this right now. He's going to try to will himself back in the lineup. He's a gamer. Uh, for L.A., Kaliev uh, was left at home. He's been fighting an illness. And out right now with a lower body issue is Blake Lazat, who, who frankly got away with some pretty greasy plays in the first couple of games of the series that went uncalled. All right, second hour of the show. Coming up for Wow Factor Desserts, Brian Lawton after a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn.